This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today, I'd like to talk about the health of your sales pipeline or sales funnel. There's a number of things that contribute to the health of a sales funnel. And I think this is an important piece because we think about forecasting and where deals fall down uh, or where salespeople feel under an immense amount of pressure with the expectations of senior sales management and really this sort of impending feeling of doom as the, as the quarter comes to an end and we know we're going to not, not hit our number. But also, sometimes there's a mystery. And so I've, I've sat down and I've coached a number of salespeople in the last month in a bunch of different organizations and I'm just chatting about where they're at, how are things going. And, you know, one of the comments that has come up a few times, which is, is not an uncommon comment from a sales professional to myself when I'm sitting down doing sales coaching with them, is they say to me, Shane, I don't understand what's changed. I, you know, I'm, I'm following the key steps in our sales process and, and yet I'm not getting the results I expect. You know, it's been a long time since the deals closed or the deals have stalled or my expected revenues, you know, when I look back 90 days ago, but what I expected to happen now is just not happening now. And in fact, a lot of these deals, I wonder if they're, if they're really real at all. And so I think we've all been there where we, we take a hard look at our sales pipeline and we wonder, is it alive? <laughs> you know, is, is, this, is, this re, is this really going to get me to where I need to go or am I in some serious trouble here and what do I do? So sometimes by the time we're in that position, all we can do is ride it out, uh, hope that our uh, sales management is somewhat forgiving and, and reset sometimes because we realize that the sales pipeline we have isn't a pipeline at all. It's dry. So I want to talk about what causes this so we can avoid it proactively? So when I think about some of the biggest holes in sales funnel, I can think of about seven big ones that really can impact our sales funnel. We're going to lose people when we shouldn't, or they actually just stalled a certain phase and then cool off or eventually die on us. So I think the first big hole in our sales funnel is the is wrong or no targeting criteria to start with. So from this perspective, this is where we really haven't drill, drilled down and truly understood within our specific target market that we've been assigned. So maybe your company has general ideal client profiles or ICPs. It's like, this is our ICP as our ideal client. Sure, that's fine. But maybe it's been set broadly across this, the country. But is it really the ICP? What is your true ICP or ideal client or prospect in your target market region, whether it's province or state or industry vertical? And so drilling down, have we really figured out who the 20% are that are going to bring us 80% of our business in our specific geographic region or industry niche? And beyond that, too often we just have one set of criteria, yet we're too broad. My suggestion, and Jay Levinson and I in our book, Gorilla Social Media Marketing, many years ago we wrote, we wrote this book together. And I know I mentioned it, I think, in my last podcast as well. I've learned many great lessons from Jay, but one of the things that we put together was not just looking at what your broad niche is, but what we what Jay called nano markets or what people are now calling today micro niches. So what are the small segments that make up your ideal client profile? So maybe it's a company of a certain size, like let's say over 500 employees and it's in the business to business space and it's located in uh, Georgia and it's within uh, you know a three hour drive of our office and uh, they're either growing or in transition as an organization. So maybe that's our ideal client profile. But the reality is within that, there might be multiple industries. I might be targeting construction. I might be targeting mining, um, oil and gas, 
you know what, uh, renewable sector. And based upon those four micro niches, I'm going to have very specific criteria that makes an ideal client profile within those niches. So I think one of the big mistakes we make is that we don't drill down enough and segment enough and realize that we're probably not going after one big lucrative market, but a series of smaller lucrative markets within one niche that you need to adjust both your communication style, your value proposition, and understand what the core challenges and opportunities that are available to those specific niches. Because when I go in to sell to them, I don't want to be flogging a product. I want to be a value-added advisor, someone who partners with my clients to create value. I can't do that if I don't understand the micro niches I'm focused on. So that's the first thing that I find creates a hole in the sales funnel. And one of the reasons why is it means that deals or prospects are entering that aren't all that ideal, or there's opportunities we're passing up that we don't realize truly fit our niche because we haven't defined it to a forensic level. So the ability to really target our ideal client profile and then break it into micro niches will make us more effective at prospecting them communicating with them, and also pulling out core needs, drivers, and goals that's going to help us sell to them. So that first step is, do you really truly understand your micro niches and nano markets? That's the first step. The second one is, it goes along with this, but I've seen this happen as well. We understood our, our ideal target market. We've got it broken down into four or five core nano markets or, or, or micro niches that we're targeting, and it's been working well for the last 24 months. But the reality is, is that what got us here is not going to get us to where we want to go. That the market has changed, right? The economy has shifted. Industries that were doing well before aren't, right? Uh, you know, in the past, maybe there was challenges. The biggest challenge, of course, uh, was, of course, logistics and getting products to move. And now uh, it's actually interest rates. Uh, and, uh, you know, from this perspective, uh, and also in addition to this, you know, the job market is, of course, caved. And so from this perspective now, these factors could impact specific industries we're targeting. And what this does, it doesn't mean we need to find a way to serve this industry better, possibly, but it might mean we need to shift the industries we're focusing on. So when there's upheaval in the marketplace, if we fail to adjust our target market and our nano markets and micro niches and just revisit them and see if you need to re redefine them, we can be prospecting in the wrong areas, in the wrong markets, and pushing people into the funnel that are actually having challenges in this market. The third challenge that I see, and this is very common, of course, is dead air, letting people cool off. And so it may be true that your next meeting is in four weeks from now because you've already scheduled it with them and you've put your proposal together and now, now you've met with the site manager, but now they're going to bring their boss and the finance team together and you're all going to sit down in a boardroom table. You're going to do your final presentation in the month. Don't make the mistake of not communicating for the next month. Have a value-added interaction strategy that you're reaching out, adding value, asking questions, sending through value-added insights and information. Find ways to stay in front of them in between these gaps. Because what I see is that someone with really great intent gets really excited about our solution. They book something a month out. We're getting ready for our final presentation or two weeks out. And then the deal cools off. The other way dead air happens is where I'm moving through my sales process. And this is another one of uh, the key pieces is, and this is actually, we could say number four, is not booking the next step, not getting a micro-commitment. And that's another way you create dead air or silence in a deal for too long where it dies off. It's out of sight, out of mind. 
And so micro commitments are really important. So you might not be closing the next deal, but you're always closing the next step. Simplest one for me is when I write a proposal to somebody, I'll literally, before I write a proposal, I'll be in a meeting, I'll do a discovery meeting, I'll assess their needs, I'll walk them through the solution I believe works for them, I'll get a verbal commitment that I'm on the right track, and then they're always, almost always going to ask for a quote or an outline of what we described verbally, and I'll say, fantastic, I'm going to get that to you. And I'll say to them, look, it's going to be about, you know, eight to 10 pages outlining the program, giving a little background of myself, how long are you going to need to go through that? Need a couple days to review it? And they'll say, yeah, probably a couple days. Say, fantastic. So let's say today's Wednesday. I'll say, fantastic. Let's set a time Monday morning, say 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. works as well on, on, on Monday, where you and I can touch base uh, and review what's in the proposal and answer any questions you might have and talk about next steps, if it all makes sense. What I want from them is to commit to that next step. And if they don't commit to that next step, I probably won't write them the proposal. Now, that sounds kind of harsh, but I do, I'm not going to do labor unless they commit to doing some labor as well. I want them to be as committed to this process and invest in it as much as I have. And so too often, we get excited, they're excited, they say, this sounds fantastic, send me a proposal, Shane. I say, I will, I send the proposal. If I haven't booked the next step, they get the proposal. I notice in my email tracking, they don't even open or download it. I look again, I look again a few days later, they open it briefly, I don't hear from them, I call them, there's no answer, I text them and say, hey, let's set up a meeting, no answer, and eventually a few weeks later, they say, oh, we got busy and priorities have changed, and what really happened was we allowed them to cool off, or we lost priority, it's still important, but a bunch of urgents hopped in there, and so it's really important that we always book that next step no matter what it is, a small micro-agreement. Sometimes someone won't agree to a meeting, but I'll get them to agree to a quick phone call so we can set a meeting. So I will literally say, that's fantastic. I understand you can't commit right now. Um, let's set a quick call, let's say a quick three-minute call, touch base, and make a plan for that meeting when you have a better handle on your calendar. And I'll actually get a, a commitment to make a commitment. So my goal for the all possible is to book that next step. And I find if I do that, I'm not chasing proposals, I'm not chasing quotes, and I'm also not writing proposals for people who aren't truly committed to the process. So number, number five is poor discovery. So I think too often people have their discovery questions written down and they interview their client, but they just go through the motions. They ask the question, they write the answer, they ask the next question, and they move through the discovery process, but they're not really fully invested in it. And so for me, I want to keep asking questions until I truly know their underlying driving motivators and needs. But here's the key quest thing is sometimes they don't know their underlying motivators and needs. Maybe they've reached out to me and they think their challenge is their sales team doesn't know how to close. But from my perspective, I could say, great, I can do a closing seminar for you. And I can train your team on closing. But the reality is, is that's not, they've got the wrong prescription for the challenge they think they have. And when I, when I dig deeper and ask questions and really, uh, you know, really kind of go through their business process with a fine-tooth comb, we realize that it's not a closing issue. It's actually a discovery issue or a hiring challenge they have because they've got the wrong people in place, for instance. And so from this perspective, I want to really make sure I true, they truly know their why, what the true challenges are in their business, and then I become of true value. And then from there, it begins the easier to build a relationship momentum in the pipeline. Too often what occurs, though, at surface level is 
the prospect themselves doesn't really know the full depth of the challenges they're having. And therefore, you don't have the full emotional leverage that you need to move the deal forward and make it important. So then number, number seven, uh, or number six, excuse me, uh, and this is the next key piece, is not enough prospecting. And I think this for me is, it should be obvious, but one of the reasons why we have holes in our sales funnel or our deals aren't moving forward is that we just don't have enough of the right prospects in our funnel. We're trying to make a meal out of an appetizer. And I think this happens too much where we just don't have enough leads coming in. So we spend too much time out of desperation with the wrong type of prospects. We over nurture even prospects that are gonna need a while to, to close, hoping that they're gonna close sooner. We make unreasonable projections. And a big part of it is we just don't have enough of the numbers to go by to get a true result from our efforts. And so from this perspective, if we are not prospecting enough, we're gonna to be too dependent on a few prospects, but we'll also be too desperate even in our activities, our communications, and our intent in our communications because we really need them. And I find whenever you really, really need a prospect, almost always it's gonna affect the deal in a bad way. It's gonna slow it down. We're gonna have the wrong intent. We're not gonna be truly aligned with the client needs. And at the end of the day, in our effort to speed the deal up, we're actually gonna slow it down. And then number seven, and this is the last one, and this is really important, is lack of context and business intelligence. And this is really about becoming an expert in your client industries, in the marketplace, truly knowing your business. If you're a true expert in the industry you're focused on, you understand your customers' customers, you understand the pest. So in the, ex in the, in the export business, one of the things that, that we teach to the World Trade Center that I work with is we talk about with businesses before they enter a marketplace to understand pests, the political, economic, social, and technological environment that their, their prospects are in and how that impacts their prospects' life, their business, and how they need to deploy their solution. And I think too often, we don't really up our game and understand the true pest context of the marketplace our clients are in on an ongoing basis. When the economic situation or the social situation or the political environment we are selling into changes, it changes our customers, it moves our customers' customers, and it changes the context from what we do need to approach our prospects and moving our prospects through our funnel. So the big issue here is if we don't have this information, we're very difficult for us to truly help our clients move forward in this environment. The other one is, of course, just having key account conversations regularly. How can we really stay in tune with our ideal client and really understand how our solution is going to impact them and move them forward to doing business with us because we can help them if we're not on a regular basis engaging and educating ourselves on our key accounts to truly understand their business? This seems like very straightforward. Of course, I want to understand their business. But do we understand their business at a forensic level? Am, am I watching their LinkedIn page on a weekly basis to see new hires and, um, you know, or layoffs, for instance, within their platform? Do I press releases, things that are occurring in their business, companies in the region like theirs, what their changes are as far as their profile and activities? And so I want to really become an expert on our, my clients, their prospects, and their customers so that context will give me the ideal timing almost always with the right conversation to reach out and connect with them. Then, of course, proactive management using our CRM. So I talked earlier, but some of the things, some of the challenges we have is dead air, 
poor discovery, um, not getting micro commitments or setting the next step. And a lot of that comes from actually just not running our sales process from our CRM and having our key steps in our sales process and even key cadences for like email follow-ups baked into our, our platform so that we're not having to manage this in our head or do it ad hoc, which will, it just won't happen. And then lastly, is not just building discovery meetings or needs at client needs analysis with great questions, but really developing the ability to interview and hold space and be curious and dig deeper around people's answers be, and being patient and allowing these conversations to run their course so you can identify the true why for the client. If you know their true why and you've really expanded the context in their mind of how you can help them, even with some challenges they weren't aware they had, this is going to truly give you the leverage it takes to move a prospective client through our sales funnel, uh, really in a, in a positive timeline. So I know I covered a lot, but let's look at these seven areas, and I want you to think about these as a checklist in my sales process. You know, can I address this? Am I addressing this? And if you do address this, you're going to find that your sales process is going to move faster, your sales cycle is going to move faster, and you're not going to have people stall or lose as many prospects either. So here's our seven things. Number one, make sure we have the right criteria built, drilled down to the, the multiple micro niches we want to focus on. Number two, make sure we're consistently evaluating our ideal client criteria and adjusting for changes in the marketplace. Number three, ensure we don't have dead air by having consistent lead nurturing even during the sales process so we stay top of mind. Number four, yes, have a great discovery process, but also have a deeper discovery intent and curiosity. Slow down and let the conversation run its full course. Number five, always get a micro commitment and book the next step. Number six, prospect, prospect, prospect. Even if you can't handle all the prospects in your funnel, at the top of your funnel, never give up the act and daily discipline of adding new people to your prospect list and getting in the funnel. And that will never put too much of the wrong pressure on any one deal because you'll have an abundance of opportunities. And seventh is make sure you build that business intelligence and business acumen so that you're a true trusted advisor that can effectively lead the client through the sales process. So this is Shane Gibson's podcast from closingbigger.net.